Hello, everyone. Welcome to another weekly live stream with yours truly, Dr. Sarah L. Webb. Today's topic is generational cycles of privilege. I remember years ago when I was just a young youth learning about generational cycles of poverty. And this is a continuation of my series on corporate colorism. And I'm adding this on to last week's conversation about the cost of colorism and talking about the financial cost of colorism, how colorism leads to economic, financial, wealth, income disparities, even amongst people of the same race. So last week I shared some research showing that those with the lightest skin tones within a race often earn higher wages and often have higher overall socioeconomic outcomes. And this week, I'm continuing that conversation a little bit by talking about how generational wealth, generational cycles of wealth and quote unquote privilege contribute to the persistence of the income gap, the persistence of the wealth gap, okay? Um, I am gonna try to save a little bit of time at the end for questions, although I think I'll probably keep this live session a little short. Um, I want to start with a quote from the, the series, and I, I haven't read the book, but the series Little Fires Everywhere, where Carrie Washington's character said to Reese Witherspoon's character, you didn't make good choices, you had good choices. And that line, I think, was super profound, and it has a lot to do with what I'm going to be talking about here and how when we talk about the concept of privilege, that is very much what that quote speaks to. It's not that, oh, these people have um, success or are able to acquire wealth because they always made the perfect best choice. A lot of times it's because the options and the choices that were presented to them through no work or effort of their own were inherently better choices, right? Um, so welcome everybody. Hey Aya, always good to see you. Hey Regina, hey Michael, always good to see the, the regulars. <laughs> um, hi, the BIPOCHEALING.CO, yes, welcome. And I also, we talk about the fallacy that the United States or that the world is a meritocracy and that, oh, wherever you are, it's 100% through your own efforts, your own work, your own struggle. And I was thinking in, my, in writing this post how there's no such thing as a quote unquote self-made man because literally no man has ever made himself. Literally, none of us can take credit for our existence here on this planet. None of us can take credit for being alive today. And so a lot of our existence, the fact that we were born, the fact that we are on this planet living and breathing, had a lot to do with choices and circumstances that happened and that played out long before we ever came into existence. And so that applies certainly in the very basic concept of our existence, but also in other things like our path through education, the um, experiences that we got as children, right? I think about people who say, oh, I traveled the world and, and went to all these different countries and museums and had all these experiences by the time I was 10 years old. And I'm like, that's great, but you had nothing to do with that. Right? If your parents were exposing you to foreign cultures and different foods and different languages, that's a benefit you're going to have that had nothing to do with your choices, right? 
And so I want to kind of normalize acknowledging that, yeah, a lot in our life is about our choices and a lot is not about our choices. And sometimes people are uncomfortable sitting in that duality, but it's reality. Um, okay, so in terms of colorism though, so narrowing this down, narrowing this conversation down a little bit to just colorism, I've talked in the past, again, this is, I think we're on episode 13 or something like that, about how historically speaking in countries around the world, historically, lighter skinned people have had greater access to education. People with the lighter skin tones have had more economic advantages, right? They've had more resources, more social capital, more economic capital, more political capital, right? And so because of that history, the offspring, the descendants, the progeny of those lighter skinned people are also going to benefit from that, are likely to have the opportunity to benefit from that. Now, whether they squander their opportunities or not, it's on them, but they at least have the opportunity to benefit from what their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, all the resources in various forms of capital, social, political, financial capital that they inherited, right? And there's no guarantee that their descendants will also be light-skinned, right? And so I want to be clear, clear about that. Just because your grandparents are light-skinned doesn't mean that you're necessarily light-skinned. But that does partially explain the continued persistent income and wealth gap. So, not, so income is not the same as wealth. I'm not a financial expert, but I, I know that much, right? So the income gaps, but also the wealth gaps are explained in part because of these generational cycles. And we think about the caste system in a lot of Asian cultures and a lot of um, regions around the world where the caste is closely tied to skin tone, right? It doesn't guarantee that everyone in a caste is gonna have the same skin tone, but there are patterns and trends that suggest that people in the higher caste, in terms of that hierarchy, more often than not have lighter skin tones as well. And so they have been able to entrench because the caste system is particularly entrenched and, and rigid in a lot of ways. They've been able to reserve and conserve that capital, again, financial, political, social capital, all the things, they've been able to preserve that for generations, dozens, hundreds of generations, right? In the United States, when we think about African-Americans, I've also done a live stream on things like uh, blue vein societies and paper bag tests, where part of that generational cycle of passing down wealth and capital and resources was intentionally done by lighter skinned or mixed race groups of people who wanted to exclude access to their organizations, exclude access to their schools, exclude access to their churches and opportunities and um, even social circles and social networks to only those with lighter skin tones, right? So we've seen this play out. And then there are a couple of takeaways. And so when we think about the, the present wealth gap, part of it is explained through present day discrimination. Present day biases in hiring. That was last, the past two weeks, I've talked about biases in hiring as well as biases in pay and wage discrimination, right? So yes, we can partly explain the wealth gaps between lighter skinned people of a race and darker skinned people of that same race through present day, 2023, discrimination and biases in hiring and pay. 
But that gap is also partly explained in the inheritances that people have gotten from a lighter skinned parent or even a white grandparent or a white parent, right? And when I say inheritances, I mean, again, when you understand that in many places, the United States is most present for me because it's my personal experience, but black people who were enslaved, who were the descendants of slaves, they literally could not legally establish wills and trusts, right? And so even if you wanted to pass things down, even if you were allowed to or had the privilege to acquire an income or work for extra wages or have something financial to pass down, a lot of times the court systems would not acknowledge that. The, the legal system at that time did not, was not set up for black people to pass down wealth to their um, descendants, right? And a lot of what we talk about in terms of white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, a lot of it has to do with who's going to benefit from the wealth that I've acquired through the slave trade? Who's going to benefit from the wealth that I've acquired through this capitalistic system? And so white people, more often than not, have had the legal recourse, have had the inheritances, of even financial information, right? We talk, all the people out there, I'm not one of them, but all the people out there who are on a mission to increase financial literacy amongst BIPOC folks, against, amongst Black folks, amongst Indigenous folks, they're doing really important work, right? And so if your great-grandfather founded a bank or founded some type of financial institution, they're not just passing down money as an inheritance, they're also passing down financial knowledge, <laughs> insider trading, <laughs> not literally insider trading, but they're passing down insider knowledge that marginalized, historically marginalized groups were intentionally denied access to, okay? Not only financial inheritance, but because for the longest time, black people and indigenous people were shut out of um, owning property, owning land. You think about uh, post-Civil War, not post-Civil War, post, which war was it? <laughs> One of those wars where they set up the program to help veterans and stuff buy houses, right? And how they denied that extra support and the ability to get a loan and to get approved by the homeowners associations, all the ways that black people have been shut out intentionally and institutionally shut out from acquiring wealth over the generations has directly benefited white people and their descendants, okay? Um, but also <laughs> lighter skinned people and their descendants as well, many of whom also have white ancestors, right? And I also want to say now, although this, what I'm about to say deserves its own live stream, that people from historically marginalized groups also have our own forms of inheritance. A lot of times we have a wealth of inheritance. We have an abundance of resources and capital that our ancestors also passed down to us. It's just that in a capitalist system, the things we've inherited are devalued. The things we are, we've inherited are often suppressed, right? And often not recognized in terms of being able to survive in a capitalist, again, white supremacist and patriarchal society, right? And so I think that I could do a whole other live stream just on the beautiful, rich inheritances that we have had as historically marginalized groups. But in navigating a capitalist system and navigating a white supremacist system, a lot of the things we inherit 
have not contributed to our financial prosperity. And again, it's intentional. Like white people are intentionally hoarding wealth and resources for themselves, right? So it's not that um, black people or historically marginalized groups could not have attained these things, but the, the intentional barriers, this is what we talk about when we talk about systemic oppression and systemic privilege, where the society, the laws, the legal system, the court systems, for generations since the founding of this country have been set up to deny us access and resources to this. And so if you are one of those people who is seeking to rectify these particular types of disparities, right, around, again, financial literacy, but not even just the financial things, also inheriting, for example, your parents' social network. <laughs> if people underestimate the impact of these things, if your parent is an executive, you, when you get up, when you go to college, when you get out on the job market, you're inheriting their knowledge of corporate America, you're inheriting their knowledge of how to navigate the business sector, you're inheriting their social network, right? And so there's so much that people take for granted that is giving them an advantage over people from historically marginalized groups, okay? And then the second thing I'll say is, of course, and this is obvious to most of my followers, I think, your circumstances don't necessarily determine your outcome. They don't necessarily decide what your future is going to be, but they certainly influence it, right? They certainly have some bearing, not, if, if not on what you end up becoming, they might definitely influence or have an effect on how you get there. And I think that's something also we have to look at because we always like tokenism. You know, people love tokenism. They're like, well, look at Obama. He became president. Or look at this person. She's CEO of this, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of times it's not that um, you come from a historically marginalized group so you can't attain certain things. But because of that context, because of that um, historical inheritance, the way you achieve that is going to be radically and significantly different than someone who started... Um, 50 yards ahead of you, right, or 100 yards ahead of you because of what they inherited in terms of institutional knowledge, financial capital, and social capital from their parents, grandparents, etc. Okay? And for your... <laughs> one, Okay, so I was about to wrap up. One other thing I want to say is health, right? Next, is it next week? One of the weeks in the future I'm talking about specifically colorism's impact on physical health. And I mentioned an Instagram comment recently about epigenetic trauma and how epigenetic trauma lasts for at least seven generations. And I always talk about how this generation right here, the one that's my generation, younger generations, we're the first generation of African-Americans who actually have capacity, bandwidth, and margin to really prioritize our mental health and our spiritual healing. My grandparents, even parents, great-grandparents, not only were they inheriting trauma from slavery, but they also were living through the trauma of Jim Crow, living through the trauma of lynchings and uh, segregation, and literally for their survival, could not prioritize spiritual and mental healing and well-being in the way that I see present-day generations being able to really focus on that. So, okay, that's, that's something to consider as well. Um, and so your homework, I want all of you to honestly reflect, myself included, honestly reflect 
on what you've inherited from your family, right? And how have those inheritances opened up opportunities for you, are delayed opportunities, are completely shut out opportunities, right? Realize that your life, the context of it is greater than just the, the little part of it that you've lived. And so think about how has the past, even before you were born, impacted the way you've been able to live your life? And of course, what we all have to ask is, then what am I gonna do with that? Right? What is my responsibility to myself, to my ancestors, to the people who are on either side of me living right now? What's my responsibility to my future generations? Right? And so your affirmation is I actively cultivate self-awareness as a foundation for my justice and equity work. In order to be, I think, firmly rooted in justice and equity work, every single one of us has to acknowledge and practice awareness of how of what we've inherited and how that has shaped our reality, okay? Now for your questions and comments. Let's see what's going on. A lot coming through. Um, oh, I see some family on here. So my extended family recently experienced a loss, a very tragic and sudden loss. Um, so please send your condolences if you can. Um, Paige Candle Co. says, do you know where the origins of being light-skinned was deemed preferable, historically speaking? So you'll have to see previous content on that. I have hours and hours and hours of videos you can watch on that page. Um, Yasin Bloom, hey, how you doing? Okay, the BIPOC Healing Co. says, yes. I mean, that it started with the enslavement of black people. It was easier to enforce slavery when you were able to separate people by skin tone. The escaped slaves are more easily identifiable. Yeah, so it sounds like you all are kind of chatting amongst yourselves on the Instagram chat. Let me know if you have any questions. I will turn now to YouTube and LinkedIn. Some of my um, avid followers here. Hey, Elizabeth, how you doing? Um, love that blue on you, thank you. I, I just bought this in Costa Rica. I was like, I only have like two tops. <laughs> so I had to buy me another one. And I was like, oh, I like blue. Um, thank you. It's gener generational wealth passed on. This is from Regina Smith. Um, Aya says, oh my goodness, that meritocracy fallacy only serves the avoidance of white men from doing the work. Um, they stay trying to tell me they work hard and earned whatever, but in reality, they never mention what really happened. Absolutely. Um, Regina Smith says, the predominantly black schools are set up to limit the proper education to us. I had to go to college to get taught. I was behind and didn't know it. Huh. Um, let's see. Jasmine Rosewater. Hi, Jasmine Rosewater. Says, I work in real estate and see racist practices virtually every day. From overt, no in words, from neighbors doing open houses to getting cheated out of hundreds of thousands of home value disturbing. Jasmine Rosewater, thank you for sharing that perspective as someone who works in real estate. I remember reading an article that a black woman kept getting low appraisals for the value of her home. And so she switched out all of the photographs to white people and had um, a white friend show up for the appraisal and it doubled, it doubled the value of her home, right? So there's, documentation for what you're observing as well. Um, yeah, again, all of it to hoard wealth for some people and to 
to at, as much as possible deny the opportunities for building wealth and having property and resources for others. Um, let's see. There are so many good comments here, y'all. <laughs> so many successful people can attribute most of their access to a social connection. Yes. Uh, yes, there was no mental health awareness before us. We are the first generation, right? Uh, Regina Smith. Yeah, I like what you're saying here on YouTube. All the things. Um, Spectrum of Salome. Hey, I see my some of my Instagram folks moving over to YouTube, and I'm here for it. <laughs> Thank you for the homework and affirmations. You are welcome. Um, says, girl, I'm trying to break the curse. That's why I started my own company along with trying to pursue my dreams. Amen to that. What's the best way to contact you for further discussing? I think this is a good topic for our ERG groups. Yes, uh, Tariq Nervis Jackson. You can send me a DM since you're on LinkedIn. Um, just send me a DM or you can email me at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at colorismhealing.com. I'd love to work with you all. Um, <laughs> all right, so I think I've gotten through all the comments and questions. Thank you all for being here. Uh, and I will see you all next week. Take good care. Bye. Much love.